as Mark already suggested, is that this is an orientation. Uh, so that being said, the position of our hearts uh, means everything. It means absolutely everything. I want you to think of this as a, think of yourself as a, as a captain on a, uh, a sailing vessel. If you're a captain on a sailing vessel uh, and you have the knowledge of the basics of current and how to deal with wind, those kinds of things, it doesn't matter you know, which directions the current or currents are going and it doesn't matter which direction the wind is going. Um, uh, a skilled captain will be able to manage his vessel and move it forward. And so, just from a picture perspective, that's really what we're trying to accomplish here. And again, the position of our heart uh, really means everything. Mark also talked about the idea of a journey. And really, that's what this is. This is going to be a journey together. I was talking with somebody, I don't know if it was last week or the week before, um, about teaching, about facilitating uh, this concept, this principle of the intimacy with God. And um, the more I read, the more I study, the more I understand that um, I need you. I mean, this, we're, we're all in this together. This is not you know, a teacher-student type of thing. This is certainly a, a, an all-in. And, and it's not just any change, by the way. It's not just any type of change will do. That's really not the case at all. If you have a, you know, just think of an illustration. You have a teenager who um, is disrupting the house because he wants a certain car. And, uh, and, and uh, totally disruptive, disrespectful, and the parent or parents decide to give that young man, teenager, the car that he wants. So then there's quietness in the home. There's no more disruption, at least at that point in time, in the home. So you resolved something, right, in the home, but was the means proper? Uh, you have uh, somebody in college, and they're failing a class, and... Um, they decide to cheat on the next exam, and they, they get away with it. They cheat on the next exam, they get an A on that exam, and they're no longer failing in that class. So, so the problem went away, but the means by which it went away was all wrong. So we are, as a group, attempting to get rid of this self-sufficiency, this self-servicedness, and, and fall completely, you know, before God. And to have this, this image bearer, this God-likeness, this godliness, and henceforth this intimacy with God to begin not to have this tinder glowing, not to have this small flame, but to, to be heaping as far as this flame this warmth with God. So uh, there are a lot of personal reasons uh, moving forth here. Um, but before I talk about that, this, is, this will give you an idea of the curriculum, if you will, of uh, where we're headed. So we, we call this an orientation. We're going to talk about being the image bearer of God. 
Because I don't think that's really talked much about today. We, we do hear a lot of talk about worship being a worshiper of God, but, but very little about the image-bearing um, uh, responsibility on our side, of course, um, sovereignly directed by God on His side. Uh, idols of the heart would be uh, next, pleasing God, and then stilling our hearts for intimacy. So this entire, this entire orientation is to, is to position our hearts to true north, if you will, And then, once we have a heart that's really positioned for true north, we have building a foundation. Because understanding who God is and what He's like is absolutely critical. We talk about the kind of attributes, really, that contribute, um, I don't want to say mostly to, but do have a significant personal contribution to our intimacy with God, as opposed to others. Situational awareness on the battlefield... Um, I mean, we're going to get very practical in this class um, because life is practical. Life is is a battle. Um, We'll talk about God's discipline, uh, which is favorable and certainly uh, uh, uncomfortable sometimes. Um, And then our disciplines, we'll talk about the disciplines of the spiritual life, identification of inhibitors really to intimacy with God. And we'll take a look at, um, you know, Great characters of the Bible, Old Testament and New, uh, and then historical examples of who to follow and, and why. And then we'll have some in-class testimonies as well. So, being an image bearer. This is what our learning objective is today. It's that we learn to position our hearts to experience an ever-increasing intimacy and fullness in our relationship with God through Jesus Christ. All these words are not just words. They are all part of um, what we're going to be talking about today. It's just... It's 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 full. If we if we get a grip on all of these words and the principles that are associated with them in Scripture, it's overwhelmingly warm. It's wonderful. So, what's our outline today? We'll talk about you know the, the idea of a race, right? Getting started for a journey. Ready, set, go. Um, so that's really the outline for today. I talk about our goal, our resolve, our nature. And then we'll talk about intimacy. You know, what does it really mean? What does intimacy with God really mean? You know, God's original design for intimacy between Him and us. And then the nature of intimacy with God. And then really a call to action. Uh, and we'll certainly have a call um, in, in, every, um, in every class. Not just any change will do. So, our goal. It's a journey with an intentional outcome. It's, it's an ever-increasing, ever-increasing intimacy with God. And it is, it is intentional. Um, so that's real personal about that in terms of our, in terms of our, our hope, our resolve. And our resolve, uh, it's a journey involving some learning, some sharing, uh, some some choices that we'll be making, some easy and, and some not so easy, and commitment. So it's personal for a lot of reasons. It's personal because it's intentional. It's personal because there will be there will be continual commitment, and it and it's personal because of our nature, and it's a journey that we'll have to face problems and challenges. Every one of us. The Bible reminds us that our greatest problems are are never around us or 
the greatest problems are not around us. But before we answer that question, I mean, Scripture tells us, Mark chapter 7, James chapter 4. For from where? Within. For from where? Within. Out of the heart of men proceed evil thoughts, fornications, murders. And there's a list of sin that the Gospel writer expresses. And in verse 23, all these evil things proceed from within. And in James chapter 4, verse 1, what is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? Is not the source of your pleasures that wage war in your, where? In your members. So, getting back to this, our greatest problems are not around us. Where are they? They're in us. That's where our greatest problems are. And, and most of you have heard this illustration before about the tea bag, right? You have a tea bag, and it's in an empty cup. Content of that tea bag hasn't changed. You pour hot water into that cup, and, and what happens? The content of the tea bag doesn't change, but something happens when you pour hot water in it. Water begins what? Begins to change color, begins to have an aroma about it, begins to have a certain taste about it. And so the internal contents stay the same. It's what's outside that causes that, okay? So our problem is not around us, it's in us. So let's try to define intimacy with God. It is an ongoing experience of closeness. And let me uh, get these all on here as well. In verse, uh, excuse me, uh, Psalm 139. And, and many of you, I would guess some of you have this psalm memorized. It, it is a remarkable psalm. Verse 2, you know, you know, and of course I have the NASB that I'll be reading from. It says, you know when I sit down and when I rise up. And uh, in my Bible, I basically crossed out when. Because at least in the original, in the Hebrew, um, it doesn't necessarily talk about the time of it. So I simply have, you know, I sit down and I rise up. It is all-inclusive. It's not about the time. It's not about the morning. It's about the evening. It's not about the afternoon. He, he knows it all. It's all-inclusive. You understand my thought from afar. You scrutinize my path and my lying down. You are intimately acquainted with all my ways. So, intimacy involves um, a divine closeness from God's perspective, from Him to us. And, as a result, you know, what I, uh, what I didn't do here, Mark, was, uh, I don't know how all these uh, got in here, but I'm going to have to keep doing this. Um, and as a result, here's what we learn. In John chapter 17, verses 20 and 21, as a result of our oneness with Him. Do not ask on behalf of these alone, but for those also who believe in Me through their word. That is, by the way, us. Jesus Christ is speaking of the future believers, meaning us, that they may, be, they may all be one, even as You, Father, are in Me and I in You, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that You sent Me. So there is this oneness that is in a born-again Christian that God puts there. 
And that ultimately, as God says, He he exists to please Himself for His own glory. And, And so, this oneness is existing in us as Christians really to be displayed for God's glory to all the world. So we have a closeness. We have the result of our oneness with Him. And thirdly, the Lord is infinite in every way. Revelation chapter 1, verse 8. And because He is, we can always draw nearer to Him. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. So this is crucial to understand. We can always draw nearer to Him. He's infinite. So never... We, we, we can never exhaust this, this level of intimacy with God. It's, it's impossible. He's infinite. James chapter 4, verse 8 as well. Draw near to me, and I will draw near to you. So, we don't have a God, just from a picture perspective, who, who stands there and is, sort of has his arms folded and his foot tapping and saying, you know, you know come on, come on, come here. That, that's, not, that's not the kind of God that we worship. That's not the kind of God that we have in terms of intimacy with Him. We have a God like um, the prodigal son's dad, who, who when he saw that prodigal at a distance, he, he just he took off sprinting for him. And, and he lavished on him his love. And so that is, that is the drawing near God is calling us to. That's the kind of God and Lord that we serve. Fourthly, intimacy with God is an ongoing experience of He makes available to each of us an ever-increasing, infinitely deep intimacy that can never and will never be exhausted. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17 and 18. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth. This is, this is remarkable. Infinitely deep. Infinitely deep. Not just as his character is, but his breadth, his length, his depth, his height. It can never and will never be exhausted. And then 5, Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30, and Ephesians 4. So there is, um, as Jesus says, a warmth to this intimacy, this, this easiness to this intimacy. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. And then Ephesians chapter 4, verse 13, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. So we have really a warmth, and a fullness in our relationship that helps to further define intimacy with God as an ongoing experience. And then finally, we have in Second Peter chapter 1, verse 2, God intends every believer... By the way, I wasn't here for this uh, teaching, this exposition. Second Peter chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. This is one of the most remarkable passages of Scripture in all the Bible. And I haven't heard it, but I would, if you haven't heard this, either preached or talked about taught, I would strongly recommend you go and listen. I'm going to go back and listen to this. It's just, it's remarkable. God intends that every believer to 
grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, seeing that His divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and excellence. For by these He has granted to us His precious and magnificent promises so that by them you may become what? Partakers. So, we have... God intends every believer to uh, to partake, to participate in, to experience, regardless of our circumstances, both in this life and in Romans chapter 8, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. So we have all of these, all of these principles really that help to define intimacy with God. And the last would be regardless of our circumstances, both in this life and what and forevermore. So Intimacy with God is an ongoing experience of closeness as a result of our oneness with Him. The Lord is infinite in every way, and because He is, we can always draw closer to Him. He makes available to each of us an ever-increasing, infinitely deep intimacy that can never and will never be exhausted, a warmth and fullness that God intends every believer to experience, regardless of our circumstances, both in this life and forevermore. So that... That is, that is intimacy defined principally. And certainly we can add uh, other things to that. But God has had an original design for intimacy between Himself and man. And so we want to uh, understand that. So uh, Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 28, we'll read this. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So, so we know many things from this passage of Scripture. We know that man was and is the crowning point of God's creation. We know that, in part, we know that uh, God made man in His own image, and we know that God made man to rule over the earth. So we have our responsibility there as well. So man was and is the crowning point, um, only part of creation made in God's own image and likeness. No other part of creation was made in God's image. And only man was given the ruling oversight responsibility. Yes, thank you. It's a little warm in here, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's a little bit easier for me because I'm talking. Y'all got to sit there in this heat and start nodding off. <laughs> so, um, so, bearing and displaying the image of God is a divine decree. Uh, and, and what is a, def- a divine decree? I, I sort of have the answer up here. It's, it's what? It's, it's, it's a permanent, distinctive law, in essence, that God decrees. So um, and, and it can't be taken away. 
So in, uh, like Esther as an example, Esther chapter 8, verses 5, if you know the book of Esther, um, the uh, Haman, the wicked man, at this point uh, uh, tricked, if you will, the king into uh, decreeing the destruction of the nation of Israel, the Jews. And uh, he was found out and actually hanged on his uh, gallows that he made to hang Mordecai, the Jewish hero. On. But the decree, the decree still stood, even as Esther went back to the king and asked the king, could you eliminate this decree? And of course, he gave his signet ring to her, to Mordecai, and told her, them, that they could make any decree by the power of the king, and that would stand. But he said this, a decree which is written in the name of the king and sealed with the king's signet ring may not be revoked. So, so in essence, a divine decree cannot be revoked. So, um, we are the image bearers of God, um, and we have the responsibility and the ruling oversight of the earth. That is a divine decree. So, bearing and displaying is a uh, mention that is a divine decree. And then, created in the image of God does not signify a physical representation of God. I don't know that anybody necessarily believes that here, uh, which is good because it's not. Um, God is spirit, so so that that image bearing is really not uh, a physical image bearing. Um, therefore, being transformed into the image of God or the image of Christ is spiritual, um, with obviously practical evidences that follow that. That is the outworking. So, God's original design for intimacy. Um, as yes, Mark. Sammy, so when you think about this being spiritual, you might be able to like fetch that image, um, wrap our heads around. Okay. Um, yeah, well, let me open that up to to others. It would be like eternal. Like we all have an eternal soul, like just like good, good. Yes, Deborah. I was gonna say that um, that God is with you. It, it seems to believe, yet you can't really put it out there in front of someone. And go though, like the wind, you know, you see backs of the wind in the world, and I would say, but I can't present it. Sure. Yeah. So, good. I think of when you talk about this for examples of certain attributes, as we are have this uh, similar attributes. Um, yeah, that's good. Yeah. When you think about the verses, so is it this action or sinless as a sin? No, Christ. Yes. So I got like a thought that just came to my mind. So like Adam and Eve were like considered perfect up until the fall, right? But yet even though they were perfect, they still weren't even on the same level 
God was, in a sense. It's like, like, I think that connection is like, we'll never truly, we're creating His image, but like, we're never truly, we never will be. Even when we're perfect, He's still above and beyond that. So like, yes. Know, yeah, that's good. That's very good. And, and of course, maybe maybe the, the word or the, the, the principle is Adam and Eve were sinless. They were without sin. Yeah. So we can rest in that. That is true. Um, uh, but as far as... Uh, you know, and everything that's been talked about has actually jumped ahead. When you ask the question, this is next, next on the list. It's about God's attributes. Well, no, no, no. These are... Y'all are theological thinkers, man. You guys are doing really good. Yeah, and, and what you said is going to be talked about as well. So... I mean, you guys are, are right on target. Um, but but there is, a, there is an essence, there's a component of it that we should never be, you use the word eternal, maybe mm-hmm. at the end of the day, yeah. or defense, that he's present, all the other things, right, that mm-hmm. we can never know yeah. in our own. Yeah, very good. And, and so uh, what, what I wanted to do at this point uh, was to take what I would call a, a theological parenthetic, you know, sort of break and talk about specific attributes of God. We talk about um, having a proper view of God. In the outline, the, uh, in the first couple of uh, slides, you saw the outline. And, and right after the orientation, I don't know if you remember what we were going to talk about, but it was, it was about God, who He is, and what He's like. And we are going to talk about specific attributes, if you noticed, that were not... Uh, what we would call transcendent attributes. In other words, non-communicable attributes that God either has not communicated to us in the in-breathing, okay, even in our our justification. Um, He has not, either not, or He has communicated them in in lesser form um, versus communicable attributes or attributes that are more personal, like His love. His wisdom, His faithfulness, right? God is self-existent. We're not. Okay, that's a, that's a transcendent attribute. Um, and, and Mark brought up uh, a few others. So the, the essence of the orientation here and then, and then launching into who God is and what He's like is, is really what Tozer said in his book, Knowledge of the Holy, the essence of idolatry is the entertainment of thoughts about God that are unworthy of Him. And so we, we want, in, in our quest for intimacy with God, is we, we want to have the heart positioned right because that's everything. And then we, we want to fully engage in who God is and what He's like and, 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 and be transformed by that understanding, by the power of the Holy Spirit. So, transcendent attributes, communicable attributes. Um, we could talk about uh, you know, transcendent attributes, um, and, and I'm going to let you guys come up with these. For just as the Father has life in Himself, even so He gave to His Son also to have life in Himself. So, wh- what would that be? God is His life in Himself. Yeah, very good. Yeah, self-existent. So God is, 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 is self-existent. Um, so Psalm 102, um, 25, and we read, uh, 
Of old you found the earth and the heavens are the work of your hands. Even they will perish, but you endure, and all of them will wear out like a garment. Like clothing, you will change them, and they will be changed. But you are the same. I'm giving emphasis here to catch it. And your years will not come to an end. Now, obviously, you have God's infinity in here, but I wasn't emphasizing his infinity. What was I emphasizing? He's what? All right. Same. Unchangeable. Yeah, immutable. Good, good theological word there. When somebody talks about God being immutable, that means he is the same. He never changes. He is unchanging. So the, these are, these are um, attributes, by the way, that are infinitely important to all of us to understand God and to know Him and to have an awe of God. So, so I'm not, and, and in the context of this study, we're not trying to minimize the importance of these attributes because they bring a great awe and reverence. There is an utter humility, a falling on your face, a, a, a kind of uh, um, just utter giving yourself over to God with these attributes. Uh, but we, we, have to, we have to limit something. And, uh, and because we're talking about intimacy, we're talking about a, a, a drawing closer, a warmth, those, that, that kind of uh, uh, principle in terms of our relationship with God, um, we're, we're choosing to focus less on the transcendent attributes, again, very, very important, and more on the communicable attributes. Uh, Psalm 90, verse 2, God is infinite. Before the mountains were born, or you gave birth to the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Psalm 139, 107, um, 139, verses 7 through 10. What would this be? Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, behold, you are, you are there. If I take the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest part of the earth, even there your hand will lead me and your right hand will lay hold of me. Where, where, what would that be? Very good. Yeah. Yeah, he is everywhere, always. Everywhere, always. So, the communicable attributes, those, those attributes that, are, um, that, that really were communicated to us, if you will, through the in-breathing, uh, those personal attributes um, that especially um, are connected to um, intimacy with God. Um, you know, we have spiritual life. Um, God is what? He is spirit. Um, so, there is a spiritual life and capacity. Um, what else? There is wisdom, right? Uh, so we have moral and a moral and ethical will associated with God's wisdom. Um, truth is, God is what? God is truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. So there is uh, in Romans chapter one, verses eighteen through nineteen a. There, there is uh, in us really a potential for truth knowing. There, there is in us also um, truth recognizing. So not all of God's creation has that. But that was given to us, if you will, um, through that in-breathing. And these are, these are just some communicable attributes, really, that um, he shared with us at the in-breathing. So Genesis chapter 2, verse 5 
Um, th- this is the climax at the end of chapter 2. This is the last verse of Genesis chapter 2. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. And uh, this gets back to what Pasquale was talking about. There, there was unashamed intimacy between man and between man and God. Unashamed. It was, it was a, a, we'll call it a perfect intimacy. And so we move forward. Um, intimacy with God is, uh, is, is a byproduct so I don't know about you, but I have uh, I have this desire to see where things fit in terms of theology and those kinds of things. So when you ask yourself, well, where does intimacy fit in all this? Well, it's really a byproduct. It's an outcome. It's a result of what? Of God-likeness. It's a result of godliness. That's where that's where intimacy fits in. So you know. We would say godliness in its fullness. It is the very image of God. It is, it is Jesus Christ manifest, being displayed. First Corinthians, Second Corinthians, chapter three, verse eighteen. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as the Lord, the Spirit. So, when when we look at God revealed, and this is God revealed in His Word. As we look into this, as in a mirror, we are beholding God, and, and we are being transformed. It, it's truth-driven. Our transformation, our intimacy with God is, is truth-driven. God is true. And so, this is, uh, um, this is intimacy with God. Um, it's part of the nature of intimacy with God. So, the nature of intimacy with God is is real. It's 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 real. It, it's not some fanciful, you know, man-made sort of conjured up type of uh, intimacy. Uh, it it can be emotional, but that that's not that's not where it starts. It starts in the truth. So if God is true, then intimacy with God is truth or truth-based. You know, Ephesians chapter four, verse. 22 through 24. Intimacy with God is not only true or truth-based, but it is supernatural. It's it's supernatural. And we read that in we've already read 2 Peter chapter 1 verses 3 and 4 where where God God um, blessed us, God gave, God called. And and in that passage of scripture and again, I apologize for the, not having the action set up properly. Um, we see that He's granted to us. He's called us. He's granted to us His precious promises, magnificent promises, so that by them we may become partakers of the divine nature. If you read this, even in the grammar, you take a look at this, He's granted. You know, He's called. They're, 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 we're the receiver of it. In other words, we, we are the passive receiver of God's granting, of God's calling. So it's supernatural. And it starts, it starts with God, not with us. And so you have intimacy with God is real. It is truth-based. Intimacy with God is supernatural. Um, it is... 
um, divinely enabled. And then intimacy with God is intense. It, it's, it is so intense. It, it's not some magic carpet ride. It's not some kickback. I'm on cloud nine. Um, that's not the nature of the intimacy with God. It's, it's highly intense. It's fervent in spirit. And, and we read in Romans chapter 12, abhor. Listen to these intense, listen to the intensity of, of, of these words here. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. Not lagging behind in diligence. Fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope. Persevering in tribulation. Devoted to prayer. Contributing to the needs of the saints. Practicing hospitality. Does this look like I'm just going to kind of kick back and take it easy? Not at all. Yeah. It's, 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 it's having a, I mean, a hard heart after God. Not hard as in but you're, you're, you're moving to God in a way that is just intense. It is, um, as it says here, fervent in spirit. Psalm 119, 128. Um, Therefore I esteem right all your precepts concerning everything, and I hate every false way. So this is part of the fervency of the Spirit. Of God, this is part of the intimacy that we have or ought to have with God. It is it is going after things that God has commanded us to go after. It, it is to love Him with all our mind, heart, soul, and strength. It, it is, as we'll see, it is to put things off, to put things away. It is to hate every way that is contrary to the Word of God. Every way that's contrary to the Word of God or to hate. And if you know about Psalm 119, what is Psalm 119? What, what is it kind of like a biography of? Yes? Yeah. Okay. It's, a, it's, a, it's sort of a, a biography of... Dave, you brought this up in your teaching, I remember. It's a biography of who? Anybody? Hmm? Yeah, it's, and, it, and it, depicts, it depicts an individual, a man... Walking in the truth, and and you see his state at the beginning of that chapter, and you see a progressive, uh, a progressive sanctification. You see this man changing as a result of his wrestling with, of ransacking, of owning, of 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 mining, of meditating on God's word. That's what this is. And, and now we're in verse 128, and here's an individual who, you know, loves God, loves His Word, and, and this is part of the intimacy that he has with God. I hate everything that's contrary to God's Word. So, the nature of intimacy is that it is real, it is truth-based, it is supernatural, by the power of the Holy Spirit. It is intensely fervent in spirit. So you have the passive side, God doing the work. 
you have our responsibility side, if you will, and I don't mean to separate that because that's probably not a good uh, analogy or point as far as learners are concerned, um, because God calls us in Jesus' prayer saying that we, he wants us to be one with him. So there's no separateness. But, but there is certainly, principally, uh, God's work and our responsibility. And then in Colossians chapter 3, verse 10, we have intimacy with God is what? You tell me. And it put on the new self who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. So, intimacy with God is what? Renewing, transforming, progressive. Yeah, I I picked the word transforming. That is the very nature of intimacy with God. And so, um, ready, set, go. This is a call to action. Now, I, I was, you know, thinking in, in my humanness, you know, this call to action. This is this has got to be creative. It's it's got to be something really cool. It's got to be something that wakes people up and gets them excited and wanting to stretch, dance, exercise, whatever, right? And I I, I wish I could be more novel, but this is it. This is this is the go part. This is uh, this is our call to action, and it's really um, it can be based in any number or collection of scripture. You can house those, but in Ephesians chapter four verses twenty two through twenty four, and in James chapter one verses nineteen through twenty five, we have here uh, a cooperative renewal. And what do you think I mean by cooperative renewal? Okay. Yeah, God changes your heart and stuff like that. But it's called a relationship. It wouldn't be a relationship if he was the only one. Yes. Right. Yeah. So. Very good. Anybody want to add to that? Anything? So, so there, there, there is a, uh, a sort of a divine. Uh, there is a divine partaking, if you will. That, that frankly, probably should be uh, the uh, the call to action. But uh, there is a call to action on our part, and, and we need to. Um, cooperate. We need to be responsible. Responsible to do what? To lay aside the old self and, and put on the new self. Um, and and we've, we've talked already about God's intention um, of us being the image bearer of Him. What does that mean? We define that. We, we talked about the nature of intimacy being what? Truth-based, being supernatural, being intense, right, fervent in spirit, and being transformational. Um, So we have these, you know, sister passages here, putting aside all filthiness and wickedness. And then by the Spirit's enablement, um, what is the outcome? The outcome is that our sinful nature is restrained and our intimacy with God or Christ-likeness is increasingly manifested. Present tense. It's, it's increasingly manifested. And then, you know, so we have to be, we have to be vigilant. We have to be um, uh, concerned about making the right choices. Um, and I, you know, I, I'll talk about this at a later time. Uh, what this is not 
it's not a collage, it's not a bundle of, of standards that you set up in your life. And, and those standards, um, um, you somehow equate to God's Word, specific standards. I'm not saying that standards are bad. I think standards are good. But I think sometimes, uh, and I'm speaking from myself, experientially, you can set up specific standards in your life and you hold those standards very, very high. Yes? So I, like, I look at it this way because this is like something that's really like, it's not, God's not waiting for you to be perfect to like, have a relationship with Him or have an intimacy with Him. You never, you never have a relationship with Him. Like I think with, with me when I, that relates to me is like, so I was like, verse that came to my mind and verse that changed my life was, and it might not seek me you'll find me in your heart mm-hmm. and I don't think that means necessarily like until your heart's perfect or until it's not like clean or what it is right. like you know for me and I know in my walk it's like I, I, I always thought it was like I need to put off things that weren't necessarily beneficial not to say I wasn't perfect but things that prevented me from seeking them wholeheartedly mm-hmm. and like and I'm talking about here like proper renewal like I mean it's with God it's not the, the sense to have that relationship it's just I need to seek him and have to have a dire Hardly. That's when. Yes. That's just something. That yeah. Very good. I have a tendency to build mental and help me understand things. And what I'm seeing this morning is a building. We are on a stairway up, starting from the basement. Each of us is at a different point. God is in the penthouse, a very transparent penthouse where He's shining like the sun and putting images and you know, rays down. As we get closer, we're affected more. We're affected by God's image, God's rays of sunlight. But we're not in that stairway alone. We are with each other and are helping each other to take one step at a time. There is no, you know, the trouble with a standard is if you achieve it, you stagnate. So, we're continually faced with stair steps. We're not going to get there anytime soon. We just keep working one step at a time. Great. Great. Character of idolatry that we're going to wear that to all the other stuff. So yeah. This is a journey. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Great analogy and amen. Amen and amen. Very, very good. Um, and it's, as I started off, it's the position of our heart that means everything. This is an orientation. Great illustration. Great picture. Um, so, let's go. Cooperative renewal. We need to be careful to lay aside our sin. We need to let the Holy Spirit, you know, restrain our sinful nature. Um, and this group, uh, I'm 100% sure, is very well taught to know that our sinful nature, this side of heaven, will never go away. We simply, by the power of the Holy Spirit, learn to control it more effectively as we walk in the grace and power of our Lord and Savior. And then, and then the second really call to action is, is simply, it's simple, it's just ransacking the Scripture. It's, it's reading. It's reading the truth. And, and, it's, and, it's, and it's quieting your heart in the truth. And, and we'll talk more about this, um, you know, in, in the coming weeks. So, uh, idols of the heart, getting rid of those, if, you know, 
laying aside the old self, idols of the heart, and then um, looking forward to um, quieting our heart. This, this really is the heart of revival. That's what this is. Uh, it, it's not. It's not trying to uh, go back in church history and sort of recreate what revival was. It's not. It's not overemphasizing uh, certain passages of scripture to kind of conjure up and get revival. This is. This is revival. This is intimacy with God. That is real. That is true. That is spirit empowered. That 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 is intensely fervent, and 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 that is transforming. That's what revival is. It is. Uh, it is. I wrote down. It is the intimate, efficacious effect of the illumined truth in the heart of a believer. It, it is the intimate, and the word efficacious means irresistible. It, it is the intimate, irresistible effect of the Spirit's empowerment of the truth in your mind and in your heart of the believer. That's what revival is. And so I know um, we are six minutes over. So uh, there is, however, uh, uh, some homework. Uh, and, and you know what? We, uh, I hope this isn't corny, but uh, uh, we're in this together. Yes. Yes. In your walk, intimacy with God, you will have setbacks, but that doesn't mean yeah. there is always a way to get back in if you allow alone people. Yes. Yes. Um, certainly, there is, and I don't want to. I don't want to establish a formula, but there is a principle that God gives us in First John. Uh, chapter 1, verse 9. Can anybody repeat that verse? Yeah. Asking God for cleansing. Yeah. Um, so, so the Word of God says that we can come to Him as a believer and, uh, and ask for cleansing of our sin. Um, and, um, and, and therein lies, um, uh, say, a start or a restart of our fellowship with God. Um, but that happens in your heart too. What I'm what I'm careful about here as I'm explaining this is I don't want that to be a structure or a pattern for somebody to say, "Oh, I send and pray," and it, it becomes uh, uh, arbitrary. Yeah, this really resides in your heart. It's a humility coming before God in that sense. Um, this is something that I would absolutely love for everybody to do. Get a three by five card. Uh, four by six card, whatever, and and I would love for you to make a commitment. Make a commitment, and uh, for you it may be two words: "I'm committed." And and, and those two words may, may be the most meaningful, humble, powerful heart in this whole room. So I'm not looking for uh, words or elaborate commitment, you know. Uh, certificates or anything else like that. But what I am looking for is for you to sit down prayerfully um, in your mind and in your heart, commit to this study, 
Uh, and you may not be here every Sunday morning, but you'll have you know the, the notes and you'll have the PowerPoints to look at online. So it's not like you're going to get lost anywhere. But, but come back with a card that really commits to something. And listen, uh, you know, I'm not a creative kind of guy, but if you are, um, you know, if you write, want to write a poem about your commitment, please do. Uh, and that's not a weird thing, by the way. Um, if you're a creative writer, write it out in the form of poetry. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says what? For we are his workmanship. You know what the word workmanship in Greek? That's poiema. Poiema. And what do we get? What word do we get from poiema? It's Paul. Yeah. So, yeah. But we, we are his poem created in Christ Jesus for good works. So if you're creative and you'd like to write a poem, please do. And you know what? I would love to hear it. I would love to hear it. By the way, um, I don't necessarily want to get, and Mark or Dave, we don't really necessarily want to get these cards um, uh, from an accountability standpoint. What I'd love to see is these cards be put in here and, uh, and during the class three weeks, five weeks down the road, you're going to commit again something else, maybe another part you know, of your life that, that the Lord's really opened up to you. And you're going to put the card, another card in there. And at the end of this whole thing, we're going to take the cards out. You don't have to put your name on it, by the way. I, I don't need a name on there. I just, I just want the cards in here and so that when we come out at the end of this, we can read those together and we can give testimony of what God's done through this. So I hope that's not too corny. But uh, that's your homework for next week. Um, thank you very much. Yeah, Mark. Just one, one point in closing. I mean, this nature of intimacy with God, I think, is a journey of intention. So, to your point, while you're asking, you're asking for a commitment of public yeah. action, it's a journey of decision. Yes. So, um, that's what we're asking. Yep, and there's cards up here now if you want to pick some up. Thank you.